if you have your Bibles, let's go uh, to Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 46. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. If you don't have your Bibles, we have the scripture on the screen. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 46. I'm going to go through a few verses here. Uh, so, what, what does it say? It says this. It says, every day, he's talking about the church, that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And then I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and it says this. It says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And then 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 16 says this, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. So, Today we're finishing off a series called Metanoia. Remember, we've been talking about this Greek concept called Metanoia, which into the English language is this whole idea of repentance, right? Repentance. But, but repentance is a lot more than just like, oh, I'm sorry that I did something or I'm going to change my ways. Metanoia uh, actually means a change from within. It's a change of mind. It's a change of, of perspective. It's a change that is so deep and so profound that the external becomes unavoidable because something in of you has changed so deeply. Now, it's important for us to start here, to start from the inside and not start from the, uh, from the outside, uh, because an, an internal change trumps any other type of change. Have you ever tried to do something, like you, like you, like you just decide to do something, right, and then you just don't stick to it? Like, you're like, man, New Year's resolution, I'm going to lose weight, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to play guitar, you know, uh, I'm going to start, you know, uh, doing a, a certain kind of sport, and then you, you, you know, some time goes by, and you just don't stick to it. Like, you just kind of give up. And yeah, I may ask you, well, why, why did you give up? And you may say, well, it just it got too hard, you know, or, you know what, I'm just not really a, a disciplined person, right? But I would disagree. I mean, if I... If I told you, you have to learn guitar in one month or I will kill you, right? <laughs> By the end of this message, you'd be playing Stairway to Heaven, right? <laughs> like you would just do anything in your power to be able to do the thing that you are that you think that is so hard. So, so no longer is it that it's too hard or I'm just not a disciplined person. The question really becomes, do I have a good enough reason? Do I have a good enough reason to do the thing that I have committed myself to do? You see, it's really important for us to understand about this, this deep change that we are called to be, to be a part of. Some people have struggled to get in to shape their whole lives, and all of a sudden, you see this person that's all of a sudden, like, we've all seen this. Like, like there's someone who, who struggled with their weight their whole life, and then all of a sudden, you realize, man, this person just like all of a sudden, you know? Now is super fit, and you're like, what happened here? Well, the person had a heart attack, and that person realized that it is very possible that this man won't be able to walk his daughter down the aisle. That hits him so deep that he's like, I will do anything to get into shape because I found a good enough, a good enough reason. Now, why do I talk about all this, 
all these changes. Because the same thing can happen in our Christian walk. As people who follow Jesus, we're, we're called to change from the outside. You've got to be a better person. You've got to try harder. You've got to sin less. You've got to be a better person. And you're like, man, I tried this for a while, but there's something that just I can't stick to it. I go back to my old to my old patterns. And you may say, well, it's too hard, or maybe I'm just not a, a disciplined person, or I'm not, a, I'm not a religious person. But the reality is that there needs to be a change, a deep change, a metanoia that changes you from the inside. And the result of that is that the external change becomes unavoidable. So for the past few weeks, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about these, these different changes, these different metanoias that we're called to be a part of. And we started off by yourself. We're like, got to change yourself from the inside. And then we talked about how you view your neighbor. And then we talked about your, your mission. And today we're going to talk about the church, which is, which is really interesting because I think that, that many times we don't, we don't understand necessarily what, what this is that we do here every, every Sunday. So we're going to talk about this today. But before I continue, I want to talk to you about the next series that starts next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're starting a new series called Fake News. And I'm really excited about this one because I think the title is pretty creative. It's kind of fun. But the, the reality is that, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but, but a lot of times when I'm preaching, I'll say the same phrase many times. And I'll, the phrase is this, I grew up believing, but now I know this. And so I'm going to talk about four different things that, that I personally have discovered. You probably uh, have the same struggle of things that you assume that Jesus said, but in reality, you look through the scripture like he never, he never actually said that. And so I think this is going to be helpful uh, for all of us, and that's going to start next Sunday. So you don't, you don't want to miss it. But today, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about church. We're going to talk about church. And so I want to, I want to ask... Uh, I want to ask a question here. So we have an image, and I want to ask you, what, what is that? Church, right? You look at that, that's a church. Okay, next picture. What's that? The house, right? Okay, so first picture is a church. Second picture is, is a house. Now, the reason why I share those, those pictures with you is because I want to address a common misconception that most people have regarding the church. Um, but for this, I want to go, go back to the Greek. Like we've talked about the Greek a little bit. I want to go back to the Greek and the original word that is used for the word church. So every time you go to the New Testament and you find the word church, it's coming from the Greek translation of a word that is ekklesia. Now, ekklesia um, doesn't mean what we think it means. So we read it in the English language and we're like, church, church, church. Okay, I know what church is. But, it, but if you talk to someone who understands Greek, he's going to read the word ekklesia. And in, in his mind, he's not going to think that. He's not going to think about a building. He's not going to think about this physical structure or this piece of real estate that has a cross on it. He's never, ever going to think that. And this is important for us to, to understand because if in our, in our minds, when we think about church, we think about a, a place that people go to, we're going to miss the very essence of why Christ formed this organization, the word ekklesia in the Greek, which is always translated church, in English means assembly. It means, it means gathering. It means, it means group of people. And it has nothing to do with a physical structure. Let me give you just an example to illustrate this. this is a, I'll do this real quick. If you go to Acts chapter 19, verse 
32. I'm going to talk about the, the translation here real quick. So Acts 19, 32. This, is, this moment uh, in history is referring to a riot that took place in Ephesus as a result of the preaching of Paul. So Paul preached some stuff and people didn't like it and there was this, this big riot. And then you read it in, the, in Acts chapter 19, verse 32, and it says this. It says, the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people, which I think this is really funny, did not even know why they were there. Which that's, that line has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I find that to be very, very funny. But it's interesting because at the beginning it says, the assembly. If you go to the Greek, the assembly is going to be ecclesia. But it's not talking about church. It's talking about, let's say, a gathering of people. They were there for no religious reason. They were just there together. Now, I'm not going to get into the reasons why we stuck with that word. And I find it very unfortunate that we've never really changed it. It's just, it's there, you know, for a bunch of reasons that I could get into, but I'm not going to do right now. But the reason why I think it's important to make this distinction is very simple. It's because we have to understand that, that when Christ talks about dying for the church and the, the, the whole idea of, of the body of Christ, it has nothing to do with a physical location that we go to or a piece of real estate that we're a, a part of, but it has everything to do with you and with me. So the message today is very simple. This is not the temple. You are the temple. The message today is very, very simple. That, that church is not a place you attend, but it's a family that you belong to. So calling this physical location an assembly or an ecclesia is like calling a house a family, right? If you saw the picture of that house, like, oh, nobody would say, oh, that's a family. No, that's a house right? Because God no longer, so important, God no longer inhabits physical locations, but he is in you and he is in me. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about this here in the next, in the next few minutes. And I was remembering about a, a message that I shared a while back, and I don't honestly remember if I shared it here or not, and I'm not going to preach the message. I'm just going to reference it. And it was the title of the message was the, the most important hours in your year. And it was this. It was, it was talking about this whole idea that a year has 8,760 hours. You spend out of those hours 350 eating. You spend out of those hours 2,920 sleeping. Out of those hours, you spend 5,475 minutes in the bathroom. And if you're a woman, you have to double that, okay? So that's, uh, let's see, 10,950. You spend 1,000 of those hours on social media, and that's very conservative. Sur this service lasts about 1 hour 15 minutes. That's when we go long. That's 72 hours out of the 8,760 hours that you have in a year. That is 0.8% of your time. Don't you think that God deserves 0.8% of your time? So I preached that message way back when, and, and, you know, I'm like, yeah, come on, everybody, let's go to church because God deserves at least 0.8% of your, of your time. But the mistake that I made in that message was that God doesn't need you to be in church. Like, God doesn't need, God's not going to look at you with more favor because you are in this physical location. However, 
he still needs you to be here. And I want to explain why. He needs you to be here not because there's anything powerful about this structure, but he needs you to be here because your brothers and sisters in Christ are here. Because we are here together, and that is a mandate. You see, it's an, it would be an oxymoron to believe that we can be the ecclesia that Christ died for, but not be together physically. It would be like a, like a marriage trying to work out with the two spouses living in different states. You know? It's not going to work. So, so here's the principle, and here's what I want to talk to you guys. And I've, I've been praying, honestly, for the Holy Spirit to just speak to you guys through me. And I know that's kind of may sound strange to you, but I really want for this message to not be just me trying to convince you to do something. And so here's the principle. You don't get close to God accidentally. You just don't. So I want to invite you to, to organize your life in a way that will bring you closer to God. And I want to tell you, step one, step, I'm not even talking about prayer. I'm not talking about scripture reading. Step one is the fellowship of believers. You know, I believe with all my heart that if there is something that the enemy wants is for you to not come into this space because he knows what happens when, when believers come together. And the most deceiving thing is, is for the enemy in the morning when you wake up, like, eh, it's not this, that big a deal. I'll just watch online, you know? And I don't want to offend anyone, but you will not find a single scripture in the Bible that supports watching church online. Like, I understand if you're sick and you can't be here, I get it. But the problem is that we get used to, if you get used to not coming to church, not being in fellowship with the believers, I promise you, you are missing out on the purpose for which God created you and the thing that God wants to do for you and through you. Here's something I've never heard. I'm so close to, Pastor, Pastor, I am so close to God. I felt so close to God these days. This is something I've never heard. My prayer is on point. Like, I've been praying, like, every single day. This is something I've, I've never heard. I'm reading the Bible like I've never read before. And here's what, well, I asked the person, like, so what, what's going on? Well, I, this is the thing. I just stopped coming to church. And my, my, my relationship with God is amazing. I've never heard that before. Why do I say that? Because, because there's something that happens when you, when you participate in the congregation that you will lose when you're not here. The first sign of someone falling away in my, in my mind, this is I've seen this just over and over again. It's like I haven't seen them in church for a while. That's never a good sign. I'm never happy about that. You know? That's why every Sunday morning is, is a struggle for many of you. This is a struggle. Like, every, like have you noticed that Sunday morning it seems like everything goes wrong? Like, oh, this person got, got sick, or the kids are fussy, or my, my cat, you know, got sick, or we're late for this, we're late for that, car trouble, like the alarm didn't sound. Like, for some reason, it seems like every morning something goes, goes wrong. Have you, ever, have you ever wondered why? See, the enemy wants it to be very easy for you to just say, I'll just, I'll just go next Sunday. Like, it feels like not a big deal. And honestly, I don't know if it's that big a deal that you don't come on a, on a particular Sunday. Like, that's not a sin or it's not something that is a terrible thing, but it's a matter of no longer having that in your life as something that is important to do. See, coming to church is like going to the gym. You rarely want to, but you're always glad you did. Right? 
So I want to challenge you this morning. I heard an amen. It was funny. I want to challenge you this morning to pre-decide to come to church every Sunday from now on. Now, why pre-decide? Here's why. I, I read this uh, a while back. It was a Barna research. It says this. It says that 50% of people decide whether they're going to go to church or not on that Sunday morning. So here's what that means. It means that, it means that 50% of you that are here, you're going to be here no matter what. Like, they're the faces that we see every Sunday. You are the pre-deciders. You decide beforehand. You're going to be here no matter what. This is your church. You're going to be here. But 50% of you, you decided it this morning. You woke up this morning, and you're like, ah, I'm going to go to church. And that's great. And I'm so glad that you're here. But that also means that there was probably a 50% chance that you weren't going to be here. And so that's why I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage everyone, actually, to pre-decide, to say, this is just something that I do every, every week. Imagine that you, would, that you wouldn't pre-decide whether or not you're going to go to work every day. How long before you get fired? What if you didn't pre-decide that you're going to pay your taxes? How long before you get audited? What would happen if you didn't pre-decide to brush your teeth every day? How many friends would you lose? <laughs> right? That's why I want to challenge you to not just decide to attend church. I want you to pre-decide it, that you just make the decision, this is something that I do. The night before, you know that church is happening. I'm like, I'm going to church because I need to be in, in church, and you lock it in. I would argue church is the most important thing you do in your week. I would argue that. This is very important. Some of you have friends that have stopped coming to church. Maybe you stopped coming to church and then you came back. And so for some of you, the reason why you stopped coming to church was this. And this is so backwards. You're like, no, I, I messed up. Like I, I fell back into some old patterns. I'm like, no, I just, I got to get my act together and then I'll come back to church. I mean, that is so backwards. It's like breaking your leg and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till my leg heals before I go to the hospital right? This is like, this is why we're here. This is why we're here. We're here because we're hurting, because we are spiritually injured, because we need one another. This is a place for hurting people. We should be here. We need to be here. It's very common, and it's, it's, it's a religious perspective to think that, oh, I got to get my act together before I come into the presence of, of God. I heard someone once say this. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, that, that religion says this, Religion says this. Religion says, I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. Christianity says, I messed up. I need my dad. This is what church is. This is why we are here. You need to be here because we need each other. We need to give each other love. We need to pray for one another. One of my daughter's best friends, her, her mom was diagnosed with cancer. She's got stage four cancer. Her, her friend is not a, a Christian. The first thing that came into my mind, she needs to be in church. She needs to be in church. She needs to be around youth that can help her, that can pray for her, that can be with her. And she, she brought her to our youth activity that we had this past Friday. And I'm so glad because that's what she needs. We need church. It doesn't have to do with this physical building. It has to do with the fellowship of, of believers. We need encouragement. We need hope. We need to be prayed over. That's why 
were here. Maybe you know someone who's going through a hard time. They need to be here. They need, they need help. They need for us to give them hope, to pray over them, to love them. Bring them to church. Bring them. We'll be in the guest lounge. We'll pray for them. You know, this is, this is what, people, what people need. And church is not about a physical location. There's nothing special about this piece of real estate. This is just a place where we meet. I, I grew up as a, with a lot of Catholic friends and a Catholic culture. And there was this whole idea of like, I'm going to party all week. I'm going to sin all week. But then I come to church and I'm like, oh, this is the presence of God. So you walk in and you confess your sins, right? And then you're kind of good to go with God. And then you go about your week and you continue living the life that you want to to live. Because there was this idea that you walk into a physical space and this was where the presence of God was. And then when you walk out, then the presence of God is no longer with you until next week, right? But that's not true. Hey, this is good and bad. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You can't escape God. He's with you 24-7 all the time. And so this is why it's so important to understand that we come together and we are the church. And so some of you are even that way about this, uh, this physical space. You think that God is here and then he's not as with you in a different place. But the... the, the what I want to communicate to you is that this place isn't holy because this place is holy. This place is holy because you and I have been made holy by God. And when we come together, we make the fellowship a holy experience. Amen. But we have to understand it this way. You and me. Now, I say this with all the love that I have. And I have a lot of love, by the way. So don't think that it's not like a little bit. Imagine I'm telling you this and I'm hugging you as I'm telling you this. Many of you are consumers. Many of you come to church and you are a consumer. You come here and you receive, which is great. And that is part of the experience. But we're, we need to also be givers of what God has put into us. And, and there are people around you right now, even physically, if, if you look around, there are people around you that need encouragement, they need love, they, lead, they need a listening ear, they need prayer, they need, they need sometimes advice, mostly empathy, okay? They need you. And I think that some people sometimes want, want like this miracle from God. They're like, oh, I'm just praying for this miracle for God to just speak to me, to do this, to, to guide me, to give me some advice. And, and I, I want to tell you this, and for some of you, this is going to be a revelation. We are the body of Christ, which means that God has chosen you and me to be his representatives on earth for the people around you. And so that miracle that that person is praying for very likely is you. And you praying for that person, you encouraging that person, you giving that person advice. This is how we come alive as a church. Is you make yourself useful in the hands of God. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, the, about being a body. You are the presence of, that God chose to be in the life of your brothers and sisters. Have you ever been at a restaurant and you see a family, they're, they're all together, but they're all on their phones? I'm like, why even bother? Like, you're together physically, but you're not together. You're just in the same space. You know, the same thing can happen here. We can be physically here sharing the same space, but not really together. We're called to be a family. We're called to be a, a unit. We're called to be the body of Christ. 
That means that we're together. We're, we're in this as a congregation. We're doing the same, the same thing. This is the beautiful image that I want to close with. It's 1 Peter chapter 2. This is so beautiful. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4, says this. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here's the image. God used to be in a physical temple. That's where the presence of God was. Jesus comes, and the presence of God becomes available to everyone. And then Jesus makes himself available to you. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so it's this whole idea of we're building this temple right now. But we're not building it with brick and mortar. We're not building it with physical rocks. You and I are the living stones that are building up this temple for, for God. That's you and me. It's not this space. It's you and me. We're creating this together. This is why it's so important to understand that the church is not the brick and mortar, but that you and I are now the temple we build together for the glory of God. So I'm going to end with this. Have you ever been at the airport? There's that moving walkway, right? So you get your luggage and you just kind of, are you, so okay, here's the question. Are you guys the ones that stand or the ones that walk? You walk? Okay. So are you ever annoyed by the guys that stand on the left? Okay. If you're that person, you have to stop. <laughs> stand on the right side. Give us some room. You know, let us, let us get around you. But that's not the point. The point is, if you stand on that, and you, you know, you're just standing, and the thing's just moving you. Like, you just, just, it just takes you, right? So we live in a world right now that is is there's a battle for your soul right now. Like the enemy is fighting to take you away from the church. He wants you out of here. And you may assume that if you don't do anything, like if you're not proactive, then nothing's going to happen. But the reality is that culture's going to take you. Doing nothing means doing, it's gonna, culture's going to take you. It's going to take you. And this culture right now is full of deception, it's full of lies, it's full of violence, it's full of confusion, selfishness. You need to be in a place where there's hope, where there's healing, where there's joy, where there's support, where there's prayer, where there's truth. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So here's the invitation. You need to pre-decide to come to church because no one ends up close to God accidentally. This is not the temple. You are the temple. You and I. Church is not a place we attend, but it is a family that we belong to. So, be here. Pre-decide to come together into this space. Do this for you. But also do this for your loved ones because the enemy wants to take them. Come into a place where you can find hope, restoration, prayer. 
This is important, and it's why Jesus died for the ecclesia. And we, you and me, are called to live for it. Let's pray together. So, Lord God, we, uh, we thank you so much because you have, you have died for this fellowship that we're a part of. And I pray, God, that we will continue to discover that the fellowship of, of believers is where we are called to walk our Christian walk. Through this iron sharpens iron, through this fellowship of believers, through the community of Christians. And I pray, God, that just as the early church, as they observed the way that the early church interacted, you added to their number daily those who were being saved. We pray this for our church. I pray that you'll speak to every single person specifically now and that you'll allow for us to understand that this fellowship is not a, a side activity, but that it is, very, it is the very center of what we're called to do and what we're called to be. So we pray these things and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.